turn to Psalm 63. Let's look at the end of it first, and then we'll go back to the beginning. It says a phrase in verse 9. It refers to those who seek to destroy my life. Um, that gives us a little bit of life context for David. Uh, if you know much about his life, uh, there were a couple of times when uh, people tried to, they tried to track him down and kill him because they were jealous, because of you know, various things. And because he makes a reference to being the king, uh, this is probably when his own son, Absalom, is uh, trying to hunt him down and kill him so he can take the throne. So uh, a dark time for David. Uh, he's literally on the run for his life, hiding out and uh, trying to just kind of navigate his way through a dark time. So look at verse 9. That's what he says. Those who seek to destroy my life shall go down into the depths of the earth. They shall be given over to the power of the sword. They shall be a portion for jackals. But the king shall rejoice in God. All who swear by him shall exult, for the mouths of liars will be stopped. Okay. So in the midst of this difficult time, like your own son's trying to track you down and kill you, um, David has this confidence, right, that God is going to be faithful to him because that's, that's just who God is. He's confident that his enemies are going to destroy themselves, that they're going to fall victim to the sword, they're going to, the jackals are going to eat them, all that kind of stuff. Uh, he says, but the king, is gonna, the king will rejoice in the Lord. Everyone who, um, who also, like, like, who joins in that celebration will, will be a part of that as well. Uh, because those who are lying about him and all that kind of stuff, all of his enemies are going to destroy themselves and God is going to take care of him. And so there's this kind of overarching, like, two things happening. One, terrible situation, life is hard. Uh, but at the same time, and in a greater, like, o- like a bigger overarching thing, is that God's going to be faithful to him. Because that's, that's who God is. That's what God does. Uh, if you were going to have to choose how to live through difficulty, that's a pretty good model of how to do it, right? Like life throws something at you, and you're like, whoa, this is, this is hard. This is bad. This is unexpected. This is, uh, you know, whatever, whatever it might be. Um, you want that that overarching thing, though, that to be greater than that. In the midst of my difficulty, I believe and I'm confident that God's going to take care of me because that's what he does. So um, the question is, how did he get to that point? You know, like, how does one get to that perspective that I just described? Um, it's very easy when life gets hard to just dwell in the, like, this is hard, this is bad, you know, kind of thing, and to not have that greater component. Or maybe it's, maybe it's there, but it's not, it's not overarching. It's not overshadowing the difficulty. Maybe it's like a little small part over on the side, or maybe it's over there somewhere. Um, but how, how do you have this where he's going to write that many words um, and, and to convey all of those kinds of things in the midst of this difficulty? Uh, well, one of the awesome things about Psalms is that we get a chance to see a little bit of like the backstory, you know, like how did you get to this point? 
Now I was telling the first service, like, like nowadays, like we're in this time when we have all kinds of ways to find out the story behind like things that we always love or whatever. So it might be, there might be like, um, like President Obama released his, like one of his memoir books, right? And there's all this background information and all these kinds of things. And so you might read about the backstory. You might listen to a podcast. I recently uh, started listening to the, there's a podcast from uh, two of the cast members from The Office where they go through and they like recount episode by episode and they tell all this really funny like background stuff and things that you wouldn't know and, and all that. And, and so there's like podcast way to do that. And um, I'm over Christmas break, I finally watched uh, The Last Dance. Have you seen The Last Dance? It's the Chicago Bulls. It's a doc- documentary about the Chicago Bulls in the 90s. And uh, which is like that for me, for me, the 90s, that was like high school and college. And so uh, that was like uh, huge stuff at the time. And um, it's Michael Jordan and Scottie Pippen and Phil Jackson. And all of them are telling all these stories. And if you've ever wondered, like, why did Jordan retire the first time? And why did Phil Jackson get fired? And why did he wear number 45 instead of 23? And like all those kinds of things. You get to find out all this information that's probably existed on the internet somewhere. I was just never really interested in going to look for it. But then it was right there in front of me. And so now I know all this fascinating Chicago Bulls stuff. So you should definitely watch it. Um, the, but we, like, we love to know how, how, did, how did this happen? What was the real story? How did this go on? But how did you get to that point? There's no way that you just started off there, you know? There's no way that, that David just started off in this perspective of like, yeah, my son's trying to kill me, but God's going to take care of me because that's what he does. How did you work your way to it? Well, the Psalms uh, are full of like a processing kind of thing. It's like his poetry kind of takes like his journal, so to speak, and like puts it into a form where we can see like, oh, this led to this, led to this, led to this. That's why I want to start at the end. So now let's go back to the beginning and let's see how, how does someone have a perspective like that? Because you and I are going to like always until, until Jesus comes back or we die to go to be with him, we're going to have those difficult moments. Hopefully not this specific kind of difficult. That would be a bummer. But we're always going to have things that are, we're going to have to work our way through and we're going to have to have that greater narrative that God's going to be faithful to you. It has to be there. So how does, how do we do that? Start of verse one. Look at the first three verses. Oh God, you are my God. Earnestly I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh faints for you. As in a dry and weary land where there is no water. So I have looked upon you in the sanctuary, beholding your power and your glory. Because your steadfast love is better than life. My lips will praise you. Okay. If you want, here's, here's really what this is coming down to. There, there has to be, you have to have a vision for your life, right? You have to have a, a vision for, for like what, even if it's just like, what, is it, what does the next year hold? What am I trying to do with my life in the next year? What, what, what do I want my life to look like? Who, who do I want to become? Same thing happens with a, with a church, maybe it happens with your like, businesses and all that kind of stuff, but you have to know where you're going, you have to have a vision for what's going on, and you have to know how you're going to get there. If you want a vision for your life, let me, let me just float this out there, that you take the first part of verse 3, and that that is, that is your vision, this is what you're going for, that you can say to God, 
Your steadfast love is better than life. Anything that life can offer to me, your love is better than that. Just anything. Just draw, put a blank on the page. Anything that you could fill into that blank, like a Mad Lib, anything you could put in there, nothing is going to be greater than the love of God that you are, his love to you, your love to him. That that is, that is the greatest thing. That that's David's, like, that's his vision for his life. That's his, that's his most true statement. Your love is better than life. And when you read the first couple of parts of the verse, and you think about him being on the run, if you know anything about the terrain in Israel, there's no flat ground in all of Israel. It's all hills and all this kind of stuff, but very rocky, very, uh, it's lush in some places, but a lot of like wilderness type stuff. And so when you're thinking about it, and he's, he's saying in verse 1, God, you are my God. Earnestly I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh faints for you as in a dry and weary land where there's no water. He's probably in a dry and weary land where there's not a natural like water source. There's, not, there's, just, there's no water fountains you know, around the corner kind of thing. Like He's out in the middle of nowhere trying to find water. And at some point, he connected dots. He's like, that's, he's like, I love the Lord like my body loves water right now. And when he talks about the sanctuary, it's because at that time, the, the way you experienced the power and the glory of God was in, was in the sanctuary. You had to go into a place. Now, that's not like that now. As special as this building is, it's, it's not, uh, it doesn't have like greater access to the, power, to the presence of God than your own home, your own vehicle, than the park down the street, you know, that kind of thing. But at this time, like that's, that's where you met with God as you went to the sanctuary, but he's running for his life and he can't meet with God like he's used to. And so he's like connecting these dots. He's, he's saying, my body is so weary and needs water, and my soul is also weary and, and needs that, that connection with you. And so in one sense, there's this vision that's saying, your love is better than life. Like that's, that's his perspective. But yet he is frustrated and he is sad because he's unable to, to connect with God in the ways that he like normally does. So what is being described here is essentially a, a, he feels distant from God. Like he's, he's drifted from God, that he's apart from God in some, in some way. Now, we, it's not a, an actual distance. You know, it isn't really that God is far from him, but he, it feels that way to him. Either he feels that God is far from him or he, he feels that he is far from God. You know, it depends on how you want to look at it, but... He, he misses God. What a, what a, it's sad, but it's also really beautiful for him to, to basically say, God, I'm, I miss you. Like I, I'm, I'm unable to worship you and to connect with you in the, in the ways that I'm supposed to. And I, I miss it. Like it, it's painful. Remember, remember back in March when they were like, Hey, churches can't meet anymore. And we were like, oh, okay, what are we, how, how are we going to do this? And God sent these like, like gifts of, of um, 
Chase and Jordy and Jordan and people who know how to like do this stuff, Jesse and, and people to kind of come like, Hey, we know how to do this. We can get a live stream up and going, you know, and we got that going. And, and it was, it was one of those kinds of things where we're like, is this going to work? And you guys were like, Hey, it's working. It's working. But there comes a point where it's just not the same as being in the room together. Right. And I know that there's folks here watching by live stream who can't be in the room yet. And, uh, we, are confident that the day is coming when that will be able to change, right? Like at some point, everyone will be able to be back here in the room. And so those folks who've been unable to come in person this whole time, think, think about the weariness that's there, you know, because corporate worship is, it's special, right? And so David is like, he's, he's feeling that and it's, it's getting to him and, and he's frustrated. And we just have to like, just be really honest and open about the fact that sometimes this, this happens in our relationship with God. Like some, sometimes there is that, it, that perceived distance. It's not real distance, but it's like, it's like relational distance. And it isn't that God has drifted away from you, it's you've drifted away from him. When I was thinking the other day about, the, about this and about the first time I ever went to the beach as a kid, um, and... Me and mom, dad, whoever got on the raft, went out into the water, had a good old time, said, hey, it's time to go in. We come in, we come out off the beach, and I'm like completely disoriented because I'm like, where's our stuff? Where's our, where's our hotel? You know, where's, where am I? You know, kind of thing. And you know what happened? You go out in the water, you're out there for 30 minutes, 45 minutes. You're slowly drifting away from where you went into but you don't realize it. You're not paying attention to it. You just, next thing you know, you're in a different place. And I feel like those, it's just a very natural thing that happens. Sometimes we get, we get caught up in our, in our lives and our schedules and our to-do lists and uh, the, the things that are expected of us. And, and there are times when you're, it's not an intentional rebellion against God, but it's like, it's like when you're out in the water and you're just kind of drifting away slowly, slowly, slowly. And then you come to this realization of like, oh man, I'm a hundred yards off. All from where I started, you know. It's not sinister, it's not intentional, it just happens sometimes. And so whether it's like kind of a, like an innocent, like I just kind of got my head down and drifted away kind of thing, or um, it's, a, it's a rebellious act that you kind of come to your senses, or like in David's sense, David's sense, like his circumstances, he's just been on the run, and it could be a whole number of things, but at some point, you realize, I have this vision for my life, like your love is better than life, and yet I'm unable to, I'm not connected to that as my reality. It's not, all, not good enough to have a vision, you have to also have a pathway of how you're going to get from where you are to that point. So how do you get from where you want to be, from where you are to where you want to be? Well, let's look back at verse 3. David gives us some more insight. So verse 3, because your steadfast love is better than life, my lips will praise you. So I will bless you as long as I live. In your name I will lift up my hands. My soul will be satisfied as with fat and rich food, and my mouth will praise you with joyful lips. When I remember you upon my bed and meditate on you in the watches of the night, for you have been my help, and in the shadow of your wings I will sing for joy. 
My soul clings to you. Your right hand upholds me. A couple things. To, to go from distant to connected. David is not passive, is he? There's no passivity in that passage. There's activity. He, he acts his way into that new place. I mean, look at all that. These are the phrases I just read. These are all the action words. My lips will praise. I will bless. I will lift up my hands. My soul will celebrate. My mouth will praise you. I will remember you and meditate on you. I will sing for joy. My soul clings to you. I mean, you're talking about the heart, the soul, the mind, the physical body. All of it is engaged in him actively getting where he wants to be. You see, passivity will never bring about the fruitfulness in our lives that we want. Now, you can, you can take that into a business meeting. You can take that into uh, the gym. You can take that into all these kinds of different settings. But here's the one that matters the most. When it comes to the Lord, passivity will never bring about the fruitfulness that you want and that I want. It won't. Now, David could have sat there and crossed his arms. He, I like to think of him as writing this in a cave, you know, like he's like hiding. Uh, and he's like, he could have crossed his arms, just pouted. Where's God? Why aren't you helping me? Why does my son hate me? <laughs> you know, like it, he, it could have just been really, really dark. And there are some dark psalms out there, but this is not one of them. This is one where uh, there's darkness, but He's like, yeah, I, I feel so disconnected, so I'm going to connect with you. I'm going to do something about it. And that's, that's such a challenge to us, I think, because the, that pathway forward, like it means taking steps in the direction that you want to go. And God has given us such gifts. He's given us the, this gift of prayer. Um, this, that's like an active thing that you can do to connect with the Lord. He's given us the, this like tangible book that we can read and study and given us all these brilliant people that can help us understand it maybe in, in different ways. Um, he's given us these rhythms of community where he's like, come together, pray, study the scripture, sing together, hug one another. Lock arms together, you know, encourage one another, speak words of life to one another. He's given us these practices. He's like, you got, you do these things. Eugene Peterson, he was quoting someone else, but I like to quote Eugene on it. He, he says, it, he said, it's more effective to, to act yourself into a new way of feeling rather than to feel yourself into a new way of acting. We're so feelings driven and emotion emotionally driven, you know. Like as as culture like continues to morph and change, and you know, feelings have become ultimate on so many levels. And but really, you look at the scriptures, and it's like no, like your feelings, they're um, they're actually like they derive they're they're elsewhere. Uh, your feelings come from your brain, not from this like mysterious like other other kind of thing. And so your feelings come from your thoughts. And so the way to change your feelings is to get aggressive with your thoughts because if you're thinking a certain thing about a certain thing, then you're going to feel a certain thing about that thing. And that's why Paul's like, no, we're transformed by renewing our minds, like changing the way we think about things. And then your emotions, kind of, they'll follow suit. They'll, they'll get there. 
And so for us, passivity cannot be a part of our, path, uh, of our pathway. Our pathway is one of action. And we do the things he's given us to do. It's, it's a part of it. And so the, when, when you think about the Bible and you think about prayer and you think about us as the saints gathering for different things, that, that needs to continue to become a part of how we all look at it, right? That when, when I pray, when I study the scriptures, when I engage in like deep community things with other people, that is, that is me, like that is kind of like me coming in off the water and coming to the beach and walking, like walking back to home base, that's me pulling out my compass and being like, where's true north again? You know, whatever analogy you want to use, just plug it in. It's fine. But that, that, is, that is how we like, get to the vision that we have for ourselves. And when you realize that you're distant from that, you, you got to do something about it. You can't just sit there and expect like, your life to change automatically. As we engage in those things, we're not trying to earn it and we're not trying to like depend on our own power, but we are, we're joining God and working in tandem for this kind of transformation and this, this direction for our lives. And so we see it with David, we see it, we see Jesus do it, we see Paul do it. I mean, it's, it's all throughout the Bible, like it's just there and it's throughout the history of the church and it's throughout this room. I'm not telling you things that you don't really know, I'm just reminding you that, hey, if you're not where you want to be, Get a vision for it and know that the pathway forward is going to involve you putting your hand to the plow. That's how it's going to work. And God will bless your efforts. And he'll empower your efforts. And you'll be shocked. But it isn't even just, he doesn't really even just say, I'm going to start to do a bunch of stuff. Look at what's driving the things that he's doing. Um, These are phrases that he says in that same passage. Uh, because your steadfast love is better than life, my lips will praise you. There's a, there's, there's a reason that he's doing that. Because your love is better than life. Uh, he, talk, he references the name of God. He says, I will remember you. I will meditate on you. You have been my help. In, uh, in the shadow of your wings, your right hand upholds me. He's, he's engaging all these things about the character of God, that, that it's from God's character that he is acting. That's the springboard for him to do those things. And so it's all happening from God, not just for God. So when we come together and we begin to sing, I, I, don't, I don't know about, about you, but um, there's something reorienting about the people of God starting to sing together. Um, it's, the, I, I love the, the musical worship times that I'm in and I love to sing and I'm like musically or, like wired up. So that kind of makes sense. And not everybody is. And I get that. Uh, I like to sing. I also like to listen to other people sing. And, uh, I like to be in a room that's engaging with the Lord because you can feel the energy that's there. And as people come and go through the Living Hope family and different things, and you know, we, we have guests who will come from time to time. If you're here for the first time, so glad that you're here. Uh, I, I like to think about when people walk away, let's say they come to a service or a community group or they're just around socially, you know, people from Living Hope, I would love for our reputation to be uh, those people love God a lot. 
you know. They can come to a service and they can be like, yeah, people, people are nice. The music was really good. Preaching, meh. But, uh, but my big thing, I, I can't really get over the fact that they just love God so much. That they will sing to him and sing about him and uh, like in, in these ways. And that they're not afraid to do some of the things, even some of the things that are here. They're not, they're not afraid to lift their hands. I'm not saying that you have to lift your hands to be spiritual. I think that's just such a lie. But I do think that if you feel like, like you want to lift your hands, you should feel the freedom to lift your hands, you know? And if you want to sing loud, you should feel the freedom to sing loud. And if you want to listen to people sing, you should be able to sing. If you want to sit down and pray, you should feel the freedom to sit down and pray. Like that, like I think the freedom to express those things is so important because what God is doing when we are singing and we are studying the scriptures and we are in the same room is just really, really important. And if we can start to think of it as like, hey, we get to come together. And whether you have drifted a thousand yards down the beach or whether you have really stayed really close, uh, it doesn't really matter. We're all going to end up together in the same place by the time we walk out. And when we say the blessing over one another and we go, man, we are, we are where we want to be. We've rediscovered the vision. It's clearer than ever. And then God like, propels us out into the world that needs that very thing, you know. So it's both. He's doing all these things, but where does that come from within him? It comes from the character of God. He's doing all this. So you think about the flow of the psalm. He starts off. This is, this is difficult. I feel disconnected from, the God, from God because I'm on the run so much. But his love is better than life. And so I'm going to do all of these things. Even though I'm not in the sanctuary, I'm still going to do the things I would do in the sanctuary because he is worth it. He is that good. He has been that faithful to me. And, and those who are trying to destroy me, they're, going to, they're actually going to destroy themselves because, but the king is going to sing the praise of God. And everyone else who sings the praise of God, we're locking arms and we're in this together and it's going to be amazing because God will be faithful to his people because that's just who he is. And so here at the, in the you know, beginning stages of a new year, um, you're looking down the road and you're saying, what do, I, what do I want my life to look like? If there's something in front of you and it's in this, it doesn't have to be this, but let's just say for the sake of me saying it, that it is. If you're saying, I want to be, I want that to be the defining idea of my life. I look at his love as better than anything life can bring to me. Are you ready to know how to get back to that point should you drift from it? Are you ready to put your hand to the plow? Are are you ready to, to, like from the character of God, let that springboard you into these rhythms of prayer and scripture and community life and the disciplines and, and worship. Are you, are, you, are you ready to see that as the role it's going to play in getting you back to where you want to be so that when you are propelled into the relationships of the workplace and the neighborhood and wherever else that you go, you're, you're who you want to be. It works for David, you know. We see him working through a lot of his issues in the psalm. I can't wait to meet him. Um, We just get this backstage pass. We get this documentary look at how it worked for him. And then when you see Jesus come along, it's very similar disciplines and how he trains his disciples. And then here we are today in the same line of things. 
So I hope this is encouraging to you. I hope it, it has given you some things to think about. I've been like stewing in it all week alongside all the other like Washington DC stuff. Like, it's been a lot of, a lot of things going on in my, in my mind and in my heart, probably like yours, but, but I don't want to, I don't want to get down the road and realize like, I don't really know where I'm going right now, you know? And so I hope this has been helpful to you and encouraging. Um, and so I'm going to pray for us and, uh, you know, like we normally do, we're going to sing a little bit. And maybe, maybe this last, these last song or two, maybe this will take on a different role for you. Just kind of maybe thinking of it from a different perspective. Um, so let's stand together. I'm going to pray over us. Lord, I'm so thankful for, um, for David and his example to us. I'm just such a normal, normal guy in so many ways. Um, but yeah, he was called to, he was called to something that was um, seemingly so beyond him. And we know that he wasn't perfect and we know um, that he had his struggles, but to see someone who was not going to sit back and just passively hope his heart would change or his connection to you would change but um, it's just very uh, challenging and beautiful and I'm sure in a room with this many people and uh, folks watching by live stream and stuff I'm sure we're all in different places and have different different things that we're grabbing onto in the songs and the text this morning but God our desire is is to be connected to you. We want to be people who collectively can say that your love is better than life. And so whether we're right there in sync with that that whole truth or whether we've drifted away and we need a pathway back to it, I pray God you'd meet us where we are and just help us to put one foot in front of the other. May we resist the temptation to be passive and to just pout and um, may we be willing to do the work, so to speak. Um, and so however this needs to fit into our uh, sanctification and our growth, I pray that this psalm will, will do its work in your hands. And as we sing, that you would uh, just use this time to... Um, just to continue forward, whatever it is you're stirring within us. We love you very much, God, and we thank you. And we pray this in your name. Amen.